The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 399. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can also now find me on Rumble. So if you go out to Rumble, you can also find the podcast in video form there. So it's a, I'm trying to use that. I'm looking at other social media alternative outlets. But right now I'm on Rumble too. So get on over to Rumble and you can subscribe to the show there as well. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com, McClanahanAcademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. I've got a new course coming out within a week, so you're going to want to get that. You want to be on McClanahan Academy so you know when it comes out, and you get the coupon for it so you can get it for cheaper. So that's a great win-win for you. Also, while you're at brianmcclanahan.com, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. So that's three things you can get for free. You can get a free ebook, free audiobook, and a, a free class. All you got to do is just give me an email address and then enroll at McClanahan Academy. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can get your book plate there if you want my autograph on one of my books. My latest book, Southern Scribblings, is a fantastic collection of 60 essays in defense of the Southern tradition. But I have many other books too, so if you want my autograph on any of those, just order a book plate or five. And you can pick up my autograph on a book. You can also support the show by going to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. Great website where I teach with Tom and a whole lot of other great instructors. You can click on that shop tab at BrianMcClanahan.com. Get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff on shirts, stickers, magnets, skins for your electronic devices. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can buy. Wall clocks. I mean, it's pretty cool. So go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on the shop tab, you get all that. And of course, rate this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Share it around on social media. Do all you can to get people thinking locally and acting locally. Now, this is a listener-generated episode today. I've received this link, I don't know, I don't know how many times. But people want some comment on this. And it's a piece that appeared in Politico by a reporter named Casey Michelle. Casey Michelle is a leftist, quote-unquote, investigative journalist who wrote a essentially a hit piece on the Trumpers, as he calls them, uh, and the, quote-unquote, insurrection that took place on January 6th. Now, I'm going to read this thing because it's I laughed almost all the way through it. Uh, because it's it's ridiculous. First of all, if this piece was presented to me from a student, they would fail because they draw a lot of inferences, a lot of conclusions that aren't verified. He even says it. Well, I can't really say this is the same, this is the same, but I'm going to write this stupid piece anyways. This is how ridiculous all of this is. And Politico published it. I mean, you want to talk about lack of journalistic integrity. Well, there you go. And I I read a piece uh, a while back where I talked about you know how this was yellow journalism. And this is what we're getting here. 
the sensationalization of something that really didn't happen. We're seeing this now with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and how, I mean, just in the last couple of days, I mean, she is getting just destroyed on social media because she outright lied about the threat that was presented to her at the Capitol complex the day of the quote-unquote insurrection. And of course, we know that there was violence that day. We know that there were some things that happened that shouldn't have gone on. We know there's violence perpetrated on both sides that day. Of course, the woman that was shot and killed, we know a police officer was killed. We know a couple of others committed suicide. I mean, this is a horrible thing that happened. There's, there's no doubt about it. Everything that happened there worked out wrong, um, except for the people that peacefully went to the protest and, and listened to Trump, and then they went home. I mean, those people are, I mean, what did they do wrong? Nothing. The people that went to the Capitol, and then, of course, did some things that shouldn't be. We saw the video of the guys, you know, the cop that was following some of the guys around. Is like, hey, man, you guys okay? Whatever. There wasn't. And this, this is all done for political theater. The way that it's been presented. And this piece is exactly that. It's about political theater. Making one side out to be demons while ignoring the entire threat and violence and calls for violence and pushing back and protests and everything else that the left has been doing since 2016 when Trump was actually elected. You want to talk about not supporting a democratic election. That was the entire point of the Russia collusion hoax. It was the entire point of the Democrats calling for an audit and saying Trump is not my president, calling him an illegitimate president. All of this happened in 2017. We forget this. And then, of course, all last summer you had hundreds of leftist insurrections, if you want to use that term, because that's what the left is saying now, insurrections across the United States. Property was burned, buildings were burned out, homes were destroyed, government buildings were attacked. I mean, this was going on all summer, and the left was supporting every single bit of it. But when it comes to Washington, D.C., well then, uh, this is now an insurrection and has to be put down, and this piece is about that. What we can do to put down insurrection in America, and this is all, let me, let me, let, wait for it. If you, if you think about this, where do you think this is all coming from? It's all coming from the South. And of course, not just that, racism, right? I mean, this is what it's all about. At the end of the day, this is all about that. Um, and this is how stupid this stuff is, right? Of course, the, the author, Michelle, can't even show you that there's exact parallels between each. But, I mean, it's sort of there. I mean, if you, if you squint hard enough, he even says that. If you squint hard enough, as one University of Virginia professor says, if you squint hard enough, you can see the connection between Reconstruction and this. If you squint hard enough. Well, I mean, usually when you're trying to squint, you really can't see anything, right? This is how stupid this is. Again, this is it's all stupid. And this is where you people, if you're listening to this, this is where people send their children to go to college, universities, University of Virginia, a public ivy. And this is the kind of stuff that your kids are going to get there. It'd be better to listen to this podcast and do McClanahan Academy or Liberty Classroom, learn true history. It'd be better to do those things, to get your humanities or social studies, quote unquote, education, your social science education. Because when you go to these universities and they hire what they hire, it's junk. It's all propaganda. So let's look at this piece by Casey Michelle. The title, 
what Ulysses Grant can teach Joe Biden about putting down violent insurrections. Overwhelming force was needed to end racist terrorism throughout the South, but a failure to keep up the pressure meant the victory was short-lived. So just from the beginning, essentially what Michelle is advocating is overwhelming force. Hey, send in the troops. Get rid of these people. And his exaggerations are all over the place. From the very first sentence, the deadly siege of the Capitol in Washington, the deadly siege, it made it sound like the, uh, the Trump people had rolled up howitzers and uh, you know were setting up uh, uh, digging trenches outside the thing. And uh, I mean, they were, they were launching uh, you know, all kinds of projectiles into the, uh, into the Capitol. Hey, this is, this is the, the language again. Get to the language. Get to the language. Which sought to overturn a legitimate election by targeting lawmakers with assassination was not the first attempt at insurrection in American history. Well, first of all, I mean, where is, he doesn't have a link to this. Where is all the evidence where lawmakers were targeted with assassination? I'm sure he's referring back to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who had lied about it. So from the very first sentence of this piece, you have lies. And this is, I mean, this needs to be retracted. Politico needs to go out and retract this piece. They're actually calling, what, what Michelle is doing is calling for political violence against a one side of the American population. Well, not just political violence. He's calling for government violence against these people. This is dangerous. This piece is dangerous. They're talking about, you know, the one side. This is dangerous. So, from the very beginning, this is yellow journalism, and it's absolutely preposterous. During Reconstruction, a raft of attempted insurrectionists flared up across the former Confederacy. Violent storms of white supremacists rocked swaths of the South, all aimed at undoing the Union's victory during the Civil War, as well as the civil rights gains made thereafter. Well, most of the time, these people were protesting the corrupt governments, which have been shown to have been extremely corrupt. The increase in taxes, thousand percent increase in taxes so that they could boot Southerners off their land and then these carpetbaggers could go and swoop in and, and buy it up at pennies on the dollar. The amount of graft and corruption in these Republican-controlled legislatures was tremendous. So yeah, and plus the disfranchisement of people, people couldn't vote. So certainly there was going to be a, a reaction to that in the South, if you think that wasn't going to happen, you're, you're fooling yourself. In their mind, you had illegitimate government. And legitimacy is based on the consent of the governed. Well, most of the governed were not consenting. This is exactly what the left would say. I mean, they didn't consent. They don't consent to these things. This is what they're doing all across the United States right now. But yet, on one side, it's insurrection. On the other side, it's just, it's just not giving consent. Every time you put this within the context of race, which is what the left wants to do, they try to do it to gain the moral high ground here. And there's no doubt that Southerners were racist at this point, but so were Northerners. The United States, you didn't have a, a, uh, a situation where these non-racist Republicans were trying to uh, create a biracial utopia in the South. It wasn't it at all. It was about power, and everybody knows this. Look, I mean, if you go back and look at real histories of this period of time, everyone is aware, even 
black Southerners became aware, I think, unfortunately, too late, that they were being used as pawns in a game of power. Hiram Rhodes' rebels, who this piece doesn't bring up at all, in his very famous letter from Louisiana, talking about the corruption of the Republican regime in Louisiana and how he was a Republican, but and he wrote this to Grant, but he didn't agree with all the corruption that they were being used as pawns for a game of power. That's exactly what Grant was doing, and he knew it. He wasn't going to stay in power. The radical Republicans knew they wouldn't stay in power unless they could enfranchise former slaves and disfranchise former Confederates. It's the only way they'd stay in power, and if they didn't stay in power, the Democrats were already making inroads in the North, because most Northerners weren't on board with what was going on in the South. They didn't agree with it. So unless they did things like that, they were going to lose elections. That's what it's all about. It's about power. It's exactly what the left is about today. They're about power. They don't care how they get it or how they maintain it or what lies they have to tell, what, what, uh, fabric, what stories they have to make up to make the other side seem to be a bunch of devils running around. This is exactly what the Republicans were doing in the 1850s and 60s. They didn't care about lying. They just wanted power. And that's what it's all about now. Racial equality, civil rights protections, basic recognition of democratic outcomes, all were targets of rampaging white terrorists using violence to launch themselves to power once more. So what he's doing here, Michelle, what he's doing, he's setting it up like this, and then he's going to say, this is exactly what's happening now, oh, with a little some, some differences. But it's the same. It's the same. You see, these Trump people are just these people just 150 years later. It's, I mean, it's artful, but it's disingenuous and frankly stupid. Numbers are hazy, but dozens perish as a direct result of insurrection. Part of the thousands of victims of white supremacist political violence during the era. What occurred in the South in the late 1860s and 1870s was at a scope and scale of violence and resistance that was not even remotely similar to what we saw in Washington. Well, then why are you even writing this piece? This is Mark Pitkovage, a historian and senior research fellow at the Anti-Defamation League. So here we have the Anti-Defamation League, a guy, Mark Pitkovage, saying, look, what was happening in Reconstruction? You can't even compare it to what's going on now. So... That's the whole premise of the piece is that Biden needs to put down the insurrection because of Reconstruction. Grant can show him something, but the violence wasn't even the same. It wasn't even comparable. The scale of violence is so big that there were some people who say it was a low-intensity conflict. I don't know if I want to go all the way there, but parts of it weren't too far off from that. Well, thank you, Mark Pitkovage, for your vast amounts of learning. Your erudition just saved us all. However, as Michelle continues, however, the echoes of that Reconstruction-era violence led by both white marauders and white supremacist Democratic officials bent on reclaiming power from Republicans were impossible to escape in Washington in early January when the rioters paraded Confederate flags through the halls of the Capitol and chanted threats to hang the vice president. Okay, first of all, um, one person was photographed with a Confederate flag in the Capitol. Now, I know there was some outside the Capitol, but one person. But this is... Now, it makes it sound like everybody was marching through there. You know, Here we have these guys marching around in gray. We have a whole bunch of, of Southern reenactors marching through there singing Dixie as they did it. That didn't happen. <laughs> 
One person. And there was a cop standing right there kind of laughing at the guy. Like, come on. For, th- for this to be a massive insurrection was the most dopey insurrection in the history of America. The echoes of that were impossible to escape. No, they weren't. There was no similarity at all. Even the Anti-Defamation League doofus said it. Ridiculous. Enchanted threats to hang the vice president. Okay, this is on hearsay. Are there any direct evidence that somebody did that? I haven't seen any. It was hearsay. I heard somebody say this. There were people there that would said this. It's just like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's all hearsay. Nobody knows. It's ridiculous. This is all ridiculous. It's done for a political reason to make one side seem like a bunch of just horrible people, deplorables, while the other side are high and mighty, self-righteous, noble people. Though largely overlooked in mainstream American history, these insurrectionists in Louisiana, South Carolina, Mississippi, they're not largely overlooked in mainstream American history at all. Go take any class at any major university on this period, and that's all they're going to talk about. I guarantee you that people know about this stuff. Your basic undergraduate, hey, what happened during Reconstruction? They're going to tell you, oh my gosh, it was terrible. You had the Klan running around the South, and it was just all these vicious, uh, you know, nasty people, all this violence. This is what they're going to tell you. Because that's all you're taught now. It's not largely overlooked. These people attempted Casey Michelle to install terrorist-backed regimes in multiple post-Confederacy states. Their longevity was echoed as well in the warning last week from the Department of Homeland Security, which said for the first time publicly that the country faced a rising threat from violent domestic extremists who sympathized with the Capitol attack and the false narrative stoked by former President Donald Trump that the election was rigged. How come I'm not going to get into that? But, I mean, again, who runs that department, and why would they have a motivation to do this? Well, of course, it's the Biden administration. Why would they have a motivation to say these things? Because it works for them politically. This is why they do it. And then they go right to Eric Foner. Of course Casey Michelle's going to do that. Eric Foner, the communist. We have to realize that this is a powerful strand in the American experience. It's always been here, the resistance to actual democracy. Well, yeah, because it's been there since the Constitution was actually written and ratified when the founding generation didn't really like democracy that much. In fact, even though they used the term quite a bit, they were certainly checking that with various parts of the Constitution. They definitely feared it in the states. They thought democracy, I mean, this is, statements were actually made to this effect. Democracy was the problem that they were facing. They had to get rid of it. Eric Foner, a historian at Columbia University who specializes on reconstruction, told me, we pride ourselves on being a democracy. No, we don't. I mean, the left does. They like to use those terms, but I don't, I mean, I don't pride on being a democracy. Democracy, you can't have, we don't actually have a democracy. We have a representative system. It's a representative democracy, but not a direct democracy. There's actually a long tradition of people who don't think that, who are willing to accept the rights of African Americans to be citizens. It goes right to that. So, so apparently all these people that were in, uh, in Washington were still running around saying, we don't want African Americans to be citizens. I mean, how stupid. There were African Americans there supporting Trump. Trump had more <laughs> got more votes from African Americans in this last election than he did the previous one. Anybody with half a brain can see this is all just a bunch of stupid propaganda. But this is what passes for history department at Politico. 
the rights of elections to overturn governments in power. In other words, we should realize the fragility of democratic culture. The right of elections to overturn governments in power. No, no, I mean, look, the whole point of the war, let me, let me say this. If Lincoln really was in favor of government of the people, by the people, and for the people, he would have let the South go because they had voted in crushing majorities to leave the Union. That was government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And by the way, you can't go back and look at any of the documents in favor of the ratification of the Constitution, but they don't talk about the fact that you could have had multiple confederacies. In other words, not everyone had to agree with this document, and people could have seceded from the Union, and they still, the founding generation, still believed in that after it was over because you had a number of New Englanders who kept pushing for secession, even after the Constitution was ratified. Hamilton himself said, look, if we can't get along, then we should just separate. Said it in the Federalist. And yet, somehow, we think secession is treason, insurrection. This is because people are historically stupid, as Casey Michel is showing in this entire piece. Even the quote-unquote experts are historically stupid. While that fragility was on full display in the aftermath of the Civil War, as well as during the siege of the Capitol. <laughs> you so he says, this is about, uh, no, but what about the siege of the Capitol? The siege on the Capitol. There's no fragility there. Just in 2016, and you, there's a video of this, Joe Biden pang, banging the gavel in the Senate chamber when there was a, a uh, petition made to contest the election in 2016, Biden, where there's, there's no, you're not recognized, you're not recognized. The Democrats are doing this. So what's the difference in Ted Cruz asking for an audit or Josh Hawley asking for an audit or any of this? And what's the difference of Maxine Waters running around saying, we got to get in people's faces? That's violent. What's the difference? The difference to Casey Michelle is that U.S. Grant knew what to do. Rising to the presidency as the heroic general of the Civil War, Grant entered the White House amidst violent white extremists continuing to royal American politics. And following the failed presidency of a one-term impeached president who had only added fuel to the post-war inferno... I mean, you couldn't, look, again, if I got this, all that would be crossed out. Be mature. Don't be stupid. Don't write hysterical, don't write hysterical language, because this is what this is. Time and time again, Grant battled back, sometimes almost single-handedly, makes it sound like he's riding out on his horse. Come on, man, let's go and get these evil people. Of course, Grant is doing this to maintain power. We all know it. There's a great book about Grant now that's out by Phil Lee. Uh, it's through Shotwell Press. You need to get it. Uh, but it just it just exposes Grant for what he was. A hack. Who was only interested in supporting big business and maintaining power and ensuring that the South went Republican because that's the only way they could maintain their political economic control of the United States. This wasn't about some noble process to ensure that former slaves were able to vote. I mean, it wasn't about that at all. I've got a great class on this, too. It's my Reconstruction class at McClanahan Academy. I, I take all this stuff apart. 
Time and time again, he appeared to succeed, only to eventually watch the entire edifice of Reconstruction crumble, crumble under Supreme Court decisions. Makes it sound like these things were just, I mean, these, these terrible Supreme Court justices, by the way, who are all appointed either under, most of them under Lincoln or Grant, who said what you're doing is unconstitutional, and it was. This is just kind of a throwaway. Oh, these Supreme Court, because you see to the left right now, what they're trying to do is attach the current Supreme Court, which is a six to three supposedly conservative majority, to that of these Reconstruction Supreme Court justices. They were all put in there by, by a bunch of people who were against democratic elections. My gosh, these people were just horrible. And this is what you're trying. This is what they're trying to do here. You see, Michelle is a moron. Anybody with half a brain can see through this stuff. Wilting willingness among northern whites to win the peace, and most especially a compromise of 1877, which has, in fact, been proven to be not necessarily accurate. The C. Van Woodward that came up with the supposed compromise. In 1876, both candidates were going to end Reconstruction. There's no compromise there, and there's no evidence that anything was, any deal was actually struck at all. Tilden and Hayes were both going to end Reconstruction. Hayes had said he was going to do it, and the compromise didn't do anything. That cemented the beginnings of the Jim Crow era. No, the beginnings of the Jim Crow era actually are before the 1870s. Before the 1860s. In fact, you have to go back to the 1840s and 50s when you started seeing segregated rail cars in New England. That's where you find the origins of Jim Crow. In fact, again, C. Van Woodward and the strange career of Jim Crow has pointed all this out. Hey, you Northerners, you can't lecture us on Jim Crow because you created it. You created it. But you wouldn't get that because, you see, Casey Michel is historically ignorant. Grant's approach relied on a combination of brute military force and a drastic curtailment of civil liberties. Yet it nevertheless has relevance for the current moment. It contains lessons for lawmakers who fear that January 6th might have been only the first of widespread attacks on the government and elected officials at all levels, across large swaths of the nation. So what Casey Michel is calling for now is brute military force and suppression of civil liberties. This is what he's calling for. Openly calling for brute military force and suppression of civil liberties. You can't make this up. And this is published by Politico. Officials in our current era have many more legal tools at their disposal to combat such terrorism, but as Grant's experience shows, it's not just the tools that count, rather it's the willingness to persist in the fight that will likely decide whether these counterterrorism efforts actually succeed. Again, a leftist progressive showing what they really are, which is authoritarians. The picture, there's like a little video under this of a guy holding a Trump flag. I mean, supposedly that guy's he's holding a Trump flag. Trump for president. <laughs> or Trump is our president or whatever. I mean, this is somehow, uh, you know, domestic terrorism. It's just so stupid. Nobody says that about somebody running around with, you know, uh, uh, people calling Obama still their president four years after he wasn't. Then it's just a bunch of nonsense uh, by the time Grant ascended the presidency, the insurrection was already in the air across the post-Confederacy South. 
Originally, white supremacist terrorism was aimed at individuals, African-Americans, white allies, sometimes military-occupying forces, Brooks Simpson, an American historian at Arizona State University, told me. By 1868, that had become more systemic in terror in terms of not only going after voters, but also state legislators. Well, I mean, why was this happening? Because people said these governments were corrupt. I mean, look, I'm not, this is not an endorsement of any of this in any way. But there's, I mean, people don't get what's happening here. This was the, a post-war period. We haven't had a war in America between people. This is just ridiculously stupid. Massacres targeting black freedmen and their white allies occurred with regularity, led by newly formed terrorist groups like the Klan. Not all of it is technically insurrectionist, per se. Well, then why even bring it up? It wasn't technically insurrectionist. It wasn't insurrectionist at all. But it wasn't far into Grant's tenure when the marriage of white terror and disaffected Confederates proved lethal to the administration's reconstruction efforts. In North Carolina in 1870, they struck first political blood. Amidst the white terror campaigns, Grant and his legislative allies spied a solution. That year, Congress passed the first of what eventually became the three Enforcement Acts, which, by the way, were almost all declared unconstitutional. Why? Because they shut down courts, civil courts, and foisted upon the South military courts. So the Supreme Court came in and said, you can't do that. You can't do it. I mean, you can't, you can't have military tribunals when civil courts are in effect. And they dragged a whole bunch of people before Congress, which uh, there is a, a book out, uh, and I think it's entitled Ku Klux, and it looks at the northern response to this and how, in the author's mind, this is a mainstream history book, and of course this book isn't brought up, but in the author's, uh, the author's conclusion is that essentially the north invented all this stuff. They made a lot of it up. They, they through their own initiative of newspaper reporting, were creating boogeymen. They were creating shadow things that didn't actually exist. They weren't really there. They made it bigger than it was. This book is not even mentioned. So they get into all the things that Grant did to try and go and crush political dissent in the South. And um, I mean, it's, it's standard boilerplate leftist interpretation of American history. Not, look, I'm not saying that some of these things didn't happen. Unfortunately, they did. The fact that you have political violence in the South could have been predicted. It was going to happen because of the way the war ended and, of course, the way that things happened right after the war. This was going to happen. You disfranchised people, took their property, took their livelihoods. You enfranchised another bunch of people who wanted to keep the power that they now had. You're going to have conflict. And you can understand it on both sides. You can understand one side that now has power, now has the ability to vote, now can, own, can, can uh, do things they could never do before participate in politics, they're going to want to help. They're going to try to maintain that power and maintain those privileges. On the other side, they've lost all of this. They've lost those privileges, and so they're going to try to fight to get them back. I mean, this is, any any idiot could see this was going to happen. The combination of federal force and legal capacity appeared to work. The insurrectionists scattered, and the Klan stood whipped. Grant's willingness to Bring the full legal and military authority of the government to bear had broken the Klan's back and produced a dramatic decline in violence throughout the South, Smith wrote. 
The relatively peaceful 1872 election, which Grant was re-elected in a landslide, attested as much. Well, wait a second here. Why was Grant elected in a landslide in 1872? He wasn't really elected in a landslide. First of all, there was no Democratic opposition. The Democrat opposed to Grant was actually Horace Greeley, who, uh, (laughs) by the time the Electoral College voted, couldn't have been president because he was dead. So, I mean, this is the problem, right? This is, this is where we are with this whole piece. So then he says, Yet the seeds of Washington's ultimate failure, the eventual compromise of 1877, the end of Reconstruction, the rise of terror-backed white supremacist regimes once more, were contained even in those successful efforts in South Carolina. Despite the arrest, the court system stood overburdened by the rush of indictments and only managed to issue serious sentences for a few dozen perpetrators. And even then, the sentences, five years maximum of federal penitentiary, hardly fit the crimes, which often entailed murder and lynching. The new judicial behemoth appeared to be less than the sum of its parts. Uh, and again, a lot of this was declared unconstitutional. But they're advocating, what they're advocating here, again, what this, what Casey Michelle is advocating is some type of military occupation of uh, pro-Trump areas. This is what he's advocating, suppression, suppression of speech, suppression of the press, all of that. Get rid of it. There is, of course, much that is different between the insurrectionists of Reconstruction and those of the Trump era. The white supremacist insurrectionists of the 1870s focus on just one region, while the Trumpian insurrectionists have no geographic restrictions. So that's the main difference. I mean, they're the same, except one is just in the South. Now, one's all over the place. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, there's a lot more. Oh, and the Trumpian insurrectionists, at least thus far, don't yet come to the full-throated, unequivocal support for a major party. But they're the same in what they're saying. See, they don't support one party, and they're all over the place. But other than that, you see, he doesn't say that the Trumpian people are not Klan members and white supremacists and neo-Nazis and all this stuff. They're not saying that because um, I would venture to guess that 99.9% of the people that support Trump are not those things. I can't say there aren't some. I have no idea. But you can find them on the other side, too. Why don't we say that the left, you have you know pro-Stalinists out there, which this guy essentially is. He's a Stalinist. Why don't we say that? Because that's what, we're, what people are advocating. But if you squint... If you squint, it's not too difficult to see how the insurrectionists of the 1870s and of the 2020s share a clear lineage. In many ways, a lost cause is now metamorphosed, metamorphosed into the Trump lost cause. I mean, how stupid. And then you have, uh, as I heard someone say, what we saw was that the red shirts of South Carolina had been replaced with the red hats of MAGA. University of Virginia history professor Janney, Caroline Janney, said. Yeah, if I, I heard someone say, who is that, your split personality? The, uh, the, uh, the leftist that you've got there in the department meeting? I mean, look at the University of Virginia uh, history department. It's not hard to find people that would agree with this type of nonsense that just spouted out. 
Is this Elizabeth Varon that said it? I'm sure it was. I heard someone say Elizabeth Varon. Or somebody else like that. Who knows? Some leftists at the history department there at the University of Virginia. I mean, they're all they're all the same. Uh, and they all sit around and talk. Oh my gosh! You see this? This is all these people in Trump. They're just a bunch of red shirts running around. They're just these people are all. They're just all insurrectionists. Both are clearly aimed at upending the outcomes of democratic elections, willing to use violence to cowl legislators, or worse. And both aim at thwarting multiracial coalitions in the pursuit of ethno-nationalist rule. Wait. So there's no people of minority, there are no minorities to support the Republicans and Trump? Um, I, I don't know about that. But they're not leftist minorities, so they don't count. I mean, this is how stupid this is. The first lesson experts say is relatively clear. That Trumpian insurrectionists continue popping up across the country propelled by the big lie that Trump's re-election was stolen as the Republican legislators saber-rattle about potential violence if they don't get their way. The administration has to use the full range of tools at its disposal. There are so many more federal laws that can be used now, Pitkovich said. Conspiracy laws that didn't exist. Laws about federal property that didn't exist back then. Laws about paramilitary training designed to foment civil disorder. There are any number of laws in the books now that theoretically could be used. Of course, most of these laws, I would argue, are unconstitutional. But, I mean, sure. This is, this is the gift of the Patriot Act. And, of course, the left wants to have a new Patriot Act, something else. Because the idea, just as it was in Reconstruction, there are similarities, is to crush political dissent. Just like it was in 1798 with the Sedition Act, the idea is to crush political dissent. If you keep them from saying things, if you keep them from organizing, well, then you crush dissent, and then you win elections. That's the whole point. I think it's hilarious, all the stuff, the backlash that Cortez has faced on social media. I mean, you, you live by social media, you're going to get gored by social media. I mean, this is, this is the problem with this. I mean, in some ways, I feel sorry for it. Uh, but I mean, this is what happens. You do these things, and people are going to and people are going to say things, and they're going to they're going to call you out on your stupidity. Thus far, given the hundreds of arrests following this month's Washington insurrection, there are also, by the way, nearly a hundred arrests in Portland. But we don't talk about that. that. wasn't an insurrection. That wasn't an attack on a federal courthouse nightly for weeks. That didn't happen. No, no, that was an insurrection. That was a protest justified by some leftist cause. Which leads to the second and perhaps most important lesson. Follow through. You need to go out and take these people out, essentially. The administration must make clear, experts say, that there is no quarter for insurrectionists in the American body politic or for those who would abet their anti-democratic violence. The quicker you say there's a line you can't cross, the better, Simpson said. That's armed resistance to the operations of government and its institutions. You can't cross that line. If you do, we'll come down on you like you won't believe. Well, first of all, was there any armed insurrection going on in the Capitol that day? I mean, people running, the guy waving like, hey, man, look, I just got the speaker's podium. That guy looked like he was just, I mean, carrying. This is just silly. These people are making stuff up. And that, until that is understood and enforced to the full extent of the law, there can be no room for healing or for unity. Right. 
So we only have unity if you take our unity and like it. We're only going to have unity if you do what we say. <laughs> you can't make this up. You really can't make this up. That's what I think Biden has to understand, Simpson continued. You need to demand accountability and justice before you reach out and say, now let's heal. So, in other words, you need to make sure that you do what I say and then we can heal. After you've done what I say, then we can move on. Who says this except leftists? And Brooke Simpson is a leftist, by the way. Despite the differences, Grant and Biden share more similarities than most might assume. One was a grizzled war hero who'd crushed the most treasonous movement the country has ever seen. The most treasonous movement. No, no, no. In fact, Grant was participating in treason because the Constitution makes clear that waging war against them, the states, is treason. The South, South, if they were still in the Union, which Lincoln said they were, was now uh, being invaded, which is why Virginia left the Union, because they said they're not going to back up an invasion of another state. That's treason, according to the Constitution. So who was committing treason? Well, Grant and Sherman and Lincoln and all of the Republicans who were doing it. Now, if these people were saying, we're going to war against a separate power, well, then where's your declaration of war? You don't have it. So the war was illegal either way. The other is a seasoned politician known for moderation and political tact. Oh, yeah, also for plagiarizing, uh, lying. I mean, a seasoned politician. That is not a compliment. There are plenty of echoes between the era of Grant and the coming era of Biden. After all, as Grant once said, if we were to have another civil war, I predict that the dividing line will be the not to Mason Dixons, but between patriotism and intelligence on the one hand side and superstition, ambition, and ignorance on the other. Well, of course, the Democrats would then be superstition, ambition, and ignorance. Of course, Michelle would say that's the Trumpian people, but no, no, it's not. These people are superstitious. These people are seeing boogeymen everywhere they turn. And they are ambitious. They want power. As, I mean, even Lindsey Graham, who's horrible, pointed out, you just want power. This is what it's all about. This is why you've done this for four years. It's all about power for you. This is why Biden's issued so many executive orders, because it's about power and ignorance. Most of the people on the left are so stupid they can't get out of their own way. All right, so that's this piece. I mean, I'm not going to, there's only one paragraph left. But, I mean, this thing is just ridiculously moronic. And, of course, I went a little long in this episode because, I mean, it, it was a long piece, and it had some of these things had to be said. But I've got this thing, I've, I mean, uh, lots of people sent it to me. So this was a listener-generated episode, and I wanted to respond to it. Um, look, if you want a good history of Reconstruction, take my Reconstruction course, or take the bundle. You get the war and Reconstruction. It's always on, it's always Cheaper to get the two together. It doesn't matter if I'm running a sale or not. Uh, and, um, you know, it's it's a great course, worth your time. 50 lectures on the war and Reconstruction uh, that give both sides the what for when it's time. I mean, look, at, again, what was going on in the South in terms of violence and other things was not acceptable. Um, on the other hand, uh, the, the Republicans were doing their share of it too. And not just that. Uh, you can understand what's happening here as you have, as I've mentioned this podcast already, both sides are fighting for what they had or once they've gained, and you're going to have, it's going to have, you're going to have conflict because of that. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, so anybody who couldn't see that coming, again, was blind. All right. 
Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.